0: Welcome to the improve the news podcast for Saturday, July 29th,
1: 2023, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Scott Wallace and I'm Eric Steiner with a look at today's top stories. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia hold talks. Researchers find that Meta's algorithm has little effect on polarization. Trump faces new charges in the classified documents case. Ukraine liberates a village in Western Donetsk. A survey finds that China is facing a faltering global image. A Hong Kong judge rules against Beijing's bid to ban a protest song. Biden signs an order on military sexual assault cases. The US Justice Department opens a probe into Memphis police. Biden announces measures to tackle extreme heat. And Netflix seeks an AI expert. In our top story, U.S. and Saudi talks begin amid reports of a Middle East plan. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Guardian, Al Jazeera, NBC, Associated Press, and Reuters. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan held talks with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in Jeddah on Thursday. The White House said that the meeting centered on, quote, bilateral and regional matters, including initiatives for a more peaceful, secure, prosperous, and stable Middle East. The meeting also coincides with an ongoing effort by the Biden administration to normalize affairs between Saudi Arabia and Israel, although no mention of Saudi-Israeli relations was mentioned in the post-meeting briefout. Official Saudi media said that the two sides discussed the Saudi-U.S. strategic relations and ways to enhance them in various fields, in addition to the latest regional and international developments of mutual concern. The meeting comes a month after U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken traveled to the kingdom to explore normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia. During that visit, Saudi Foreign Minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan said that normalization with Israel would have limited benefits for the Saudi people without finding a pathway to peace for the Palestinian people. The kingdom has said it won't officially recognize Israel before a resolution to the decades-long Israeli-Palestinian conflict with the Saudis historically advocating for the creation of a Palestinian state in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza. U.S. officials have been hopeful of a potential deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia following the Trump-era agreements between Israel and the nations of Morocco, Sudan, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates. On this program, we separate the spin from the facts. Eric just
0: laid out the facts, and I'll start with this pro-establishment spin from the Associated Press. With two high-level diplomatic meetings in recent months, both the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have demonstrated a commitment to diplomatic progress. Former President Trump had success in similar agreements, and Biden has the respect to make a true diplomatic breakthrough
1: to further the security for the region and the globe at large. The Guardian brings us the establishment critical narrative. Any possible us broker deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel would be time-consuming, difficult, complex, and politically far-fetched. The Saudis would likely prefer Trump as an arbiter, Republicans wouldn't want to support Biden, and Democrats disagree with the kingdom's poor human rights record. It is unlikely that the U.S. has the political capital to make this breakthrough happen anytime soon. And from time to time, we have nerd narratives brought to us by the Metaculous
0: Prediction community. This one says there's a 53% chance that Saudi Arabia will normalize relations with Israel by 2031 if Iran does not get a nuclear weapon by then. Want to help us improve the news? Go to improvethenews.org slash pod and take our quick survey and tell us what you think. And now, back to the news. Meta's algorithm has little effect on political polarization. Here are the facts as agreed upon by the Associated Press, Washington Post, the journal Nature, CNBC, and The Guardian. Four research papers released by the journals Science and Nature on misinformation and political polarization on social media have revealed that tweaks made to the Facebook and Instagram algorithms did not sway political attitudes. In the studies, researchers from several institutions, including Princeton University, Dartmouth College, and the University of Texas, were granted access by Facebook and Instagram owner Meta to social media data pertaining to the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Of particular interest to the researchers were social media echo chambers, where users are mostly delivered partisan content that agrees with their worldview. Analyzing the data of 208 million Facebook users found stark differences in the content left-wing and right-wing users engage with. In an experiment, the researchers altered the social media feeds of thousands of meta-users in late 2020 to show them recent posts, instead of those meta-believed to be most engaging. The chronological feed had users spend less time on the platforms, but didn't alter political polarization, according to follow-up surveys. Other proposals, such as limiting content from like-minded users, also failed to alter political behavior online or offline. Joshua Tucker, a lead investigator in the project, concluded that proposals to reduce social media echo chambers would have had a limited impact on the 2020 election. According to the research, right-wing users were also more likely to consume information flagged as misinformation by Meta. The authors noted, however, that the studies don't take into account the long-term impact of the algorithm on users, with forthcoming studies expected. Thank you,
1: Scott. Those were the facts, and our first spin is an establishment-critical narrative coming from The Guardian. These studies are carefully crafted pieces designed to shift the blame off of the social media platforms that fuel intense political polarization. Social media platforms are in no way absolved from the damage they have caused democracy and have even reversed some of their misinformation guardrails in the run-up to the 2024 election. No matter how odious the content, engagement is the only thing of value to these companies.
0: And contrast that with the Renew Democracy Initiative's pro-establishment narrative. Everybody loves a scapegoat, but the inconvenient reality of political polarization is that social media platforms play a limited role. The algorithms of Meta and others simply make it easier for people to see the content they want to see without affecting their underlying beliefs or values. The issues in America's democracy go deeper than Facebook and speak to political discourse in profound need of repair. Polarization is driven by people, not platforms, and the solution lies within everyday people, not Silicon Valley. So, Eric, the good news is these uh, social media algorithms don't affect political polarization. The bad news is apparently they're using the social media to experiment on us like lab rats. Awesome. Have
1: you been assigned your number yet? (laughs) I think, yeah, I'm number 12. What are you? Are we next to each other? Can we at least sit next to each other? I have a six-digit number and it's already tattooed on my wrist. Oh, no. (laughs) They just gave me a barcode.
0: That's it. I can't even I don't even know what it says.
1: Trump faces new charges in the classified documents case. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Newsmax, New York Times, Forbes, BBC News, Wall Street Journal and CNBC. Special counsel Jack Smith on Thursday brought new criminal counts against former President Trump in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case, adding to the 37 counts he already faces in the investigation. The superseding indictment charged Trump with attempting to alter, destroy, mutilate, or conceal evidence, inducing someone else to do so, and a new count under the Espionage Act related to a classified national security document that he showed to visitors at his golf club in New Jersey. It also embroiled a third defendant in the probe, adding charges against the Mar-a-Lago's head of maintenance, Carlos de Oliveira, for allegedly helping Walt Nauta to move boxes of classified files after Trump was subpoenaed last May. De Oliveira is also accused of conspiring with Nauta, who received two additional charges of obstruction in the revised indictment to delete footage from security cameras, which prosecutors claim shows illegally held documents being moved. Smith's office announced the new indictment just hours after Trump's legal team met with prosecutors to reportedly prevent possible federal criminal charges related to alleged election interference in 2020 and the January 6th Capitol riot. Donald Trump accused Smith and the U.S. Department of Justice of charging and investigating him to harm his chances of winning the 2024 Republican presidential nomination and defeating President Biden. We have
0: an anti-Trump narrative on this story from The Washington Post. This case against Trump has just gotten stronger after the superseding indictment charged the former president not only with failing to return the files and obstruction of justice, but also for a presentation concerning military activity in a foreign country, allegedly Iran. Additionally, it adds a wealth of evidence of Trump's obstructing efforts and a third defendant, who's a strong candidate for flipping.
1: The walls are closing in on the former president. The pro-Trump narrative comes from Fox News. It's outrageous how politicized the DOJ has become under Biden, with these bogus charges further revealing that they are desperately harassing Trump and those around him as the former president is leading several polls for the White House in 2024 by a wide margin. Though Smith doesn't have a case, his illegal witch hunt against Trump is at full throttle to get someone else to run against the otherwise lame duck Biden. And we have another
0: nerd narrative coming from Metaculus. This time they predict there's a 50% chance that the federal criminal trial of Donald Trump's classified documents case will begin by May 2024. Ukraine liberates a village in western Donetsk. Here are the facts as agreed upon by the Kiev Independent, TASS, Institute for the Study of War, and BBC News. Amid heavy fighting and dense artillery fire, Ukrainian forces said they had retaken the village of Staromayorsk in western Donetsk late on Thursday. The announcement was made in a video of troops published by Ukrainian President Zelensky. One soldier said the 35th Brigade and the Airy Territorial Defense Unit have fulfilled their task and liberated the village of Staromayorsk. Glory to Ukraine. Earlier in the day, Russian President Putin said that Ukraine's counteroffensive efforts had significantly intensified in recent days, but claimed that no progress was made. The enemy achieved no success on any contact swath, Putin said. All counteroffensive attempts were stopped, and the enemy was pushed back with high casualties. However, Putin's account was contradicted by the Institute for the Study of War, a U.S. military-affiliated think tank that tracks battlefield progress in the war. The Institute confirmed Ukraine's recapture of Staromayorsk, but also reported that Ukraine had made marginal gains west of Bakhmut in Donetsk. Despite the gains, Ukrainian military officials conceded that progress has been slow, namely in the face of heavily fortified defensive lines dotted with rows of mines. General Alexander Tarnovsky, who is leading Ukraine's military campaign in the south, said Russia's military had displayed professional qualities that prevented Ukraine from advancing quickly. Meanwhile, Russia has also been conducting its offensive operations in recent days, with the Institute for the Study of War reporting that its forces have made clear gains near Svetov and Krimina in the Luhansk region. The think tank also reported that Russia launched assaults in the Donetsk and Zaporizhia regions, though did not make any territorial
1: advances. Scott, thanks for providing the facts of that story. We have a round of spins that will begin with a pro-establishment narrative that's being provided by BBC. Although Ukraine's counteroffensive is going slower than desired, it has made a key breakthrough in Staramyorisk and continues to make gradual advances elsewhere. Ukrainian forces are getting closer and closer to breaking through Russia's defensive lines. And TASS brings us the
0: pro-Russia narrative. Ukraine has intensified its counteroffensive in recent days but continues to have no success against Russia's defenses. All attacks were repelled,
1: and Ukraine's forces were forced to retreat while taking heavy casualties. The nerds at Metaculus say that there is a 1% chance that Ukraine will officially recognize a former Ukrainian territory, be that Luhansk, Donetsk, or Crimea, as independent before 2024. According to a recent Pew Research report, negative opinions of China rise worldwide. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Pew Research Center, Al Jazeera, The Hill, and U.S. News and World Report. A new report from Pew Research shows that a median of 67% of adults in 24 countries have an unfavorable view of China, with negative ratings reaching record heights in high-income countries. With the exception of India, middle-income countries only saw modest increases in negative ratings. The survey asked 300,000 adults in a group of countries that include the U.S., Mexico, Germany, Australia, Brazil, Israel, Nigeria, Japan, and India, about their views on China's economic, technological, and international influence. 83% of Americans surveyed had a negative opinion of China, just under the 87% disapproval rating the country received in Australia and Japan. 50% of Americans also view China as the biggest threat to the U.S., up from the 2019 report where China was tied with Russia for first place. A median of 71% of respondents worldwide said they thought China does not contribute to global peace and stability, 57% described China as interventionist, and 74% had little to no confidence in President Xi Jinping's ability to, quote, do the right thing regarding world affairs. When asked to name the world's top economy, China came in second place behind the U.S. However, Kenya, Mexico, and Nigeria had a majority favorable opinion of China while South Korea, Hungary, and Italy saw an increase in their favorable opinion of China from last year. China's soft power, especially in middle-income countries, Asia and Africa, which have been recipients of Chinese investment, remained strong, with a median of 69% of respondents calling China the best or above average on the technology front.
0: Thanks for those facts, Eric. We have an anti-China narrative from Radio Free International. The world has grown weary of China's aggressive wolf warrior posturing on the world stage as a majority of adults in important countries turn their backs on China. Their cries of neutrality and benevolence in the face of a supposedly imperial U.S. have fallen on deaf ears as the world wakes up to the reality that China's bellicose moves economically, culturally, and militarily are the greatest threats to world peace. China's actions are isolating the country on the world
1: stage cgtn gives us the pro-china narrative it matters little what those in the old world think of china as the favorable ratings china receives in the future economic powerhouses of the global south are truly what matter countries like kenya indonesia and nigeria benefit greatly from chinese investment through the belt and road initiative and recognize what china brings to the table while american saber-rattling stirs up sinophobia in the west the rest of the world can clearly see that China can do what the West can't, be a forward-thinking, honest, and reliable world partner.
0: And Metaculus checks in on this one too with a nerd narrative predicting there's a 69% chance that China's GDP will exceed the US's GDP in any year before 2041. More news from the Far East as a Hong Kong court rules against a government ban of a protest song. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian, The Associated Press, Al Jazeera, and the South China Morning Post. On Friday, a Hong Kong high court judge ruled against a government request to ban the protest song Glory to Hong Kong after it had been inadvertently played at multiple international sporting events instead of China's national anthem March of the Volunteers. The decision also comes as Google has declined to alter its search results to feature China's anthem instead of the protest song when users look up Hong Kong's anthem. With Beijing claiming the song promotes the idea of Hong Kong separatism and threatens the stability of the government. However, Judge Anthony Chan says the song, which became an unofficial anthem during Hong Kong's 2019 protests, says a ban would violate freedom of expression. The song is already banned in schools, and Hong Kong's chief executive, John Lee, says government lawyers will study the judgment. The song was written in 2019 during the anti-government protests in response to the now withdrawn Chinese extradition bill. The song has been sung publicly at least 413 times between 2019 and 2022, and some have been prosecuted
1: for singing it or sharing it on social media. Thank you, Scott, for the facts of that story. Our round of spins begins with an anti-China narrative coming from World Teen. The paranoid Chinese Communist Party knows that its oppressed people are yearning for freedom and democracy, which is why Beijing loyalists in Hong Kong are desperate to ban Glory to Hong Kong. Music has power, and it can ignite a spark in people to challenge the status quo. Despite the government's best efforts, the people of Hong Kong will be able to sing Glory to Hong Kong with pride. And the pro-China narrative comes from the Global Times.
0: Hong Kong's anti-government protest song is a threat to national security, that seeks to foment anti-unity sentiment and promote criminal acts. Judge Chan made a grave mistake in his ruling and government officials will examine all course of action to protect national
1: security and act in the public's interest. The Metaculous Prediction community gives us a nerd narrative. They say there's a 50% chance that Hong Kong will stop being a special administrative region of China by September of the year 2045.
0: I think the Chinese government's going about this all wrong. Instead of trying to ban this Glory to Hong Kong, they need to change their Chinese anthem to like a real toe tapper, like a banger. (laughs) Like, you know, pour some sugar on me is now our official Chinese song.
1: And then then people will just forget all about Glory to Hong Kong. They tried to do that a while back with 99 Red Balloons, and it just didn't work, you know? (laughs) Didn't work. They should have gone with the German version, the the English version. Nine, is not as good. I'm, you're right. A 99 99 That's yeah. much better. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Turning our attention back to the United States as Biden signs an order on military sexual assault cases. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Associated Press, ABC News, Roll Call, and UPI. U.S. President Biden on Friday signed an executive order formally implementing a law passed by Congress in 2022 taking away decisions about the prosecution of serious military crimes from victims' commanders and giving the responsibility to independent military attorneys. The provision, which was part of last year's defense bill, required presidential action because it requires a change to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. In a statement, the White House called the procedural changes quote, historic and a turning point for gender-based violence in the military. The offices of Special Trial Counsel is scheduled to be operational by the end of the year. Among the crimes it will deal with are sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse, murder, manslaughter, and kidnapping. When passing this law, Congress took into account the recommendations about core accountability it received from the 2021 Independent Review Commission on sexual assault in the military that was produced by the Department of Defense. Last year, reports of sexual assault in the U.S. military jumped 13%, leading to the highest rate of sexual assault against women and the second highest against men since the military began collecting data on the issue 20 years ago. Thanks for
0: those facts, Eric. Disturbing though they may be, Let's start our narratives with the pro-establishment spin from CNN. Finally, military members will be able to have the confidence in a more trustworthy, professional military judicial system. For decades, the old way of doing things didn't work, and the military's reforms haven't stopped the number of assaults from increasing.
1: The administration is showing what true leadership means. Daily Mail brings us the establishment critical narrative. This move doesn't show leadership. It weakens the authority of uniformed commanders whose job it is to keep the U.S. safe. By stripping commanders of this power and circumventing the chain of command, respect for those charged with leading the armed forces will be diminished, leaving the military weaker than before this law was implemented. The DOJ opens its investigation
0: of Memphis PD. Here are the facts as agreed upon by USA Today, Reuters, The Commercial Appeal, Al Jazeera, The Associated Press, and CNN. On Thursday, the U.S. Justice Department announced its opening a civil rights investigation into the Memphis Police Department, or MPD, following the death of Tyree Nichols, a black man who died in the hospital after a January traffic stop. Assistant AG Kristen Clark of the Civil Rights Division said the DOJ would examine the MPD's pattern or practice of force and stops, searches, and arrests to determine if it discriminates against black people. She also said a single incident or event isn't solely responsible for the investigation, citing indications that officers use force punitively when faced with so-called insolent behavior, while allegedly disproportionately stopping black people at traffic stops in the majority black city. The investigation will look into MPD as a whole, scrutinizing three areas. Its alleged use of excessive force, its use of stop and search, and potential discrimination against black residents. The DOJ will also interview officers, ride along with them, and hold community meetings. Video of Nichols' death added fuel to the debate over policing in America, but unlike other controversial police interactions with black suspects, all five officers in this case are also black. The investigation could take as long as a year and follows the Biden administration's recent scrutiny of police departments in other cities, including Chicago, Minneapolis, Louisville,
1: Seattle, and Phoenix. Scott, thanks for the facts of that story. We have two opposing spins beginning with the left narrative coming from Washington Post. It's taken too long for the DOJ to investigate this matter. There's already data showing that black residents are disproportionately targeted at traffic stops and are treated with far more force than their white counterparts in Memphis. Although most of the MPD is black, there is undoubtedly institutional racism ingrained into policing, and the MPD must be held accountable. And we have a contrasting right narrative spin from vdare.com.
0: Has America become so woke that even the killing of a black man by five black officers is considered racism? This is a manipulation of the facts of Nichols' death by left-wingers and their media allies who ironically want to make everything about race. Judging this case on its facts instead of using it to create division would be more effective.
1: Biden announces new measures to address extreme heat. Here are the facts as agreed upon by BBC News, The Guardian, ABC News, and NPR Online News. As 180 million Americans are under heat watches or warnings, U.S. President Biden announced measures on Thursday to try to tackle the effects of extreme heat. Major East Coast cities such as Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. were under heat emergencies on Thursday. Biden said the new policies would protect workers, improve access to drinking water, and enhance forecasting. Biden said during the White House press conference that the heat is the primary cause of weather-related deaths in the world with 600 dying annually in the U.S. alone from heat-related events, more than floods, hurricanes, and tornadoes combined. Biden also tied the heat waves to climate change. As part of the White House plan, the Department of Labor is developing standards for how workplaces deal with heat and issued a hazard alert for the construction and agricultural sectors. Temperatures in Washington, D.C. could hit triple digits for the first time in years, and Phoenix broke its all-time daily high temperature earlier this week. This comes as Texas has implemented a controversial bill stripping protections for outdoor water breaks for outdoor workers. Representative Greg Cassar, Democrat of Texas, began a, quote, thirst strike in response. Okay, we have a Democratic narrative on this story coming from
0: PBS NewsHour. Climate change is real and is here as large parts of the U.S. are baking in a record heat wave. President Biden called the Department of Labor to implement the new heat standard for outdoor workers, something desperately needed after the unconscionable Texas ruling. Employers must provide shade, water, and paid breaks. Biden's
1: plan will ensure they do. Breitbart gives us the Republican narrative. In Texas, the move to alter local water break regulations simply streamlined a patchwork of local laws and cut red tape for private businesses. That law also wouldn't have stopped workers from taking breaks altogether. Even as Biden tries to enact policies about the heat, this administration has to tie it to climate wokeness and overbearing federal government oversight.
0: And we have a nerd narrative from Metaculus saying there's a 50% chance that the average global temperature in the year 2100 will be 2.54 degrees Celsius higher than the average global temperature in 1880. I heard that legislator that did the thirst strike. He stopped the thirst strike. He had to quit after nine hours. I'm not sure if that makes the point better because it was so hot that he could only last nine hours or if it kind of is just a sad excuse of a thirst strike, only making it nine hours.
1: I think he just wanted his 15 minutes of fame.
0: He wanted he, his nine hours of fame. Yeah, yeah he went eight yeah. hours, 45 minutes over. Exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix is hiring an AI expert amid Hollywood strikes. Here are the facts as agreed upon by BBC News, Business Insider, The Guardian, and The New York Post. Netflix is looking to hire an artificial intelligence expert at the same time Hollywood's unions are striking in part over concerns that innovations in AI will impact pay in the entertainment industry. The job, officially posted as a product manager, machine learning platform, would earn a salary in the range of three hundred dollars to $900,000 and would be used in all of Netflix's business areas, including content creation. The Writers Guild of America has been on strike since May, and SAG-AFTRA joined them this month, the first joint strike in Hollywood since 1960. The unions have voiced concerns AI could be used to write scripts, reuse actors' likenesses, and do other things that would allow studios to avoid paying humans for creative work. Another Netflix job posting seeks a generative AI technical director for its gaming studio for a salary of up to $650,000. In addition, Disney has listed about a half dozen jobs that are focused on AI and machine learning, and Amazon and Apple are offering positions related to AI and machine learning as part of their media businesses.
1: Scott, thanks for the facts of that story. Our first spin is Narrative A coming from The Intercept. While actors and writers are fighting to just make a living wage, get health insurance for their families, and earn guarantees the studio won't use their likenesses in perpetuity without compensation, heartless Hollywood executives are willing to pay nearly $1 million for help developing AI that can help eliminate human participation in this industry. This is a sickening move.
0: TechCrunch counters with Narrative B. Netflix is both a media company and a tech company, so it must invest in technology to keep up with its competitors. By strengthening its AI research, Netflix is doing what's necessary. And it's possible that AI could be used to enhance content rather than replace human contributions. While this may seem unfair to the company's writers and actors, those on strike must accept that AI
1: is here to stay. The Metaculous Prediction community gives us our final nerd narrative of today's podcast. They say there's a 97.5% chance that AI will be able to watch a movie and tell you accurately what is going on before 2030. That's quite a few years. I mean, what are we? It's uh, seven years from now. It's going to take seven I mean, years I'm, for AI to watch a movie and tell us what's going on. That's a long movie, Eric. I,
0: <laughs> I, I don't have time. <laughs> that's <laughs> what is this Amadeus? I don't know. I this know is, right? this is too, this is too long of a
1: movie, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Saturday, July 29th, 2023. Each day we use machine learning to read about 5,000
0: articles from about 100 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key
1: narratives where the articles differ. For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download the Improve the News app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Scott Wallace, I'm Eric Steiner and Inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News.